of for this morning. Lord Jesus, we want to hear you. We really don't want to hear me. We want to hear you. We want to see your word. We want to hear your word. And we want that to change us. We want that to heal us. We want that to fix us. We're not here because we're perfect. We're here because we need you. Talk to us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. And welcome everybody online. Lovely to have you with us. I hope uh, uh, you're okay. I hope that you're not, not here because you're not well. But if you're online, wherever you are in the world and through this day, may the Lord bless you. All right, let's begin. You say, if you love me, show me. That's what you say. You say, if you love me, show me. I say, but I do love you. And you say, well, it doesn't look like it. I don't see any actions. I don't see any results. God says, if you trust me, you'll act on it. What does God say? If you trust me, you'll act on it. If you believe, you'll jump. James says, you say you sit back and let God. Faith is enough. I say, James is talking, that works is what shows that you have really trusted God. That you are really one who has shown faith. James is not talking about salvation. James is not talking about works in order to earn your salvation. But he's saying if you have been saved and if you have trusted Jesus, there's going to be something in your life. Because faith has fingerprints. That's the title of today's sermon. Faith has fingerprints. How do you know somebody's been in the room? Fingerprints. Right? How do you know someone has touched something? Someone has been involved. Fingerprints. And fingerprints connects to your identity. And your identity is your faith. So, James is not talking about salvation. And I'm going to unpack that a little bit in home groups. Uh, in your video in the home group this week. So, be part of a home group. Sign up. Meet them outside. They'll tell you about it. What he's saying is, let your talk show in the walk. Let your talk show in the walk. If your talk doesn't show up in the walk, it says nothing. You're doing nothing about it. If you're truly trusting God, as you say, you're going to take intentional action. Is that enough for an introduction? Do you get this? Do you get what James is saying here? James is saying, if you want to argue with me, then here's what I'm saying. Show me your works, and I'll tell you that you've got faith. Show me your works, and I'll tell you that you've got faith. Not works that lead to faith, but faith that leads to works. So we've got to get into the text. Will you open your Bibles or read on the screen with me uh, verse 14 onwards to verse 26 of James chapter 2. Let me read it for you. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him if a brother or sister is poorly clothed? Does that sound familiar? Poorly clothed. Remember last week? Yep. Poorly clothed and lacking in daily food. And one of you says to him, go in peace. Be warm. Be filled without giving him actually something to eat or something for the body. What good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? Huh, you do well. Even demons believe that and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish 
person that faith apart from works is useless. You want an argument? Well, I'll prove it to you. Verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered his son up for, on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. Scripture was fulfilled. Abraham believed God, counted him as righteousness. He was called a friend of God. What about Rahab? Rahab in the same way, the prostitute justified by works. When she received the messengers, sent, out them, sent them out in the other way. She was saved. She was justified. For as the body apart from the work, spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Read this one with me. Verse 26. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works. Let's do that again. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. All right. Let's get started. Write it down. Faith leaves fingerprints. Faith leaves fingerprints. Faith leaves <coughs> fingerprints. <clears throat> Verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith? What a question. <laughs> what a question. What good is it if you say you have faith? What's the point? What's the point of you professing that you're a Christian or that you're a disciple of Christ? What is the point of it? What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? This is an issue of understanding where works feature in our faith. Is everybody with me? Are you thinking with me? The question today, the thought today, the, the subject today is where do works feature? Where do works feature? Some people are like, don't judge me. Don't judge my life. I know Jesus is between him and me. My faith is between him and me. It's, it's got nothing to do with anybody. Nobody else can judge my faith. Sometimes it's so private, even Jesus also doesn't know. If a brother or a sister is poorly clothed, lacking in daily food, and the one who says to him, go in peace, be warm and filled, without, underline, without giving them the things needed for the body. No, no, he's not suggesting that this is what religion looks like. He's not saying that every time a, 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 a poor person walks by, you got to give him something. He's not saying that. He's saying when you're saying, when you're proving, when you're pro professing that you have faith, Right? And you're professing love for Jesus, professing faith in Christ, and somebody with a need walks by and it doesn't get to you, your faith is fake. Your faith is fake. He's not saying your works are faith, fake. He's saying your faith is fake. He's saying your works only show that there is a faith. Like the body shows that there is a spirit if it's still walking around. Got that? Got that? So I want you to get a very correct perspective because we're living in a world which is a works-oriented kind of a culture, works-oriented kind of a religion, and I'll unpack that in the home group. But this is what I want to really drive home today. James is saying, if a brother or a sister is poorly clad and lacking, look at him without giving him, them the things they needed. What good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, it is dead. Later on at the end of that passage, he says, faith is like the spirit. Works is like the body. The moment the spirit takes off, the body falls to the 
ground. The question isn't about the body. The question is about the faith. If faith is in the body, faith is in the works, that is, if the spirit is in the body, the body is alive. So you cannot fake this one and you cannot uh, uh, masquerade faith. Genuine faith is going to result in ministry, in acts of service. Genuine faith is going to result in what? In acts of service. Where there is a desire, where there is a hunger for God and a love for God and a faith in God, there's going to be an outlet of where can I serve? Who needs me? What can I do for somebody? Where can I serve? Who needs me? What can I do for somebody? Not, my life is not my own. My life is not for me. I, I'm tired of being so selfish, self-centered. I want to be serving. If Jesus was walking in this body, he'd be doing this and that. I know what he would be doing. I need to make time. I need to budget. I need to margin. What is the first one? Faith has fingerprints. Write a second one down. Faith results in a testimony. Faith results in a testimony. So James is the argumentative type. He, 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 he proves and he teaches through argument. He says someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. And I will underline this. I will show you my faith by my works. Are you getting this? I will show you my faith by my works. It's my love for you. It's my forgiving you. It's my serving you. It's my open eyes to see your needs that shows that I have trusted Christ. It shows that I love God. It shows that I trust God for my own life and for my own family. He says, you believe that God is one. You're professing that you believe God is one. You do well. But even the demons believe that and shudder. Some of us are so fake with our projection for our profession of our faith. We're like, I believe in Jesus. He's like, big deal. So do the demons. And they shudder. They're like one up on us. At least they've got that. At least they're scared of, what they, of their Lord and Master. We're not even that. I believe in Jesus. I am a Christian. I am a follower of Christ. But there's nothing to show for it. Nothing. Oh, don't judge my life. Don't judge my, my don't, don't, don't judge, I'm busy, I'm this, I'm that, whatever. James is saying, okay, well, faith isn't there. Faith is missing. Something is not right in the faith department. He's saying, oh, you still want to argue with me, verse 20. Well, I'll tell you. Let me give you two examples. When you have faith, faith jumps. When you have faith, faith have, have, has fingerprints. It gets involved. It sees a need, it gets involved. And when it does get involved, it leaves a testimony. It leaves a testimony. Faith results in a testimony. Let me give you the example of Abraham, he says. Abraham was not Abraham our father. That's the relationship. Abraham our father was not Abraham our father justified by what? Works. When he did what? When he offered up his son Isaac on the altar. Now he's saying in verse 22, you see? You see that faith was active along with works. He had faith. But he showed it in his works. Look at me. My goodness. Do you know what it took Abraham to take his son with him? To believe that what God is asking of him is truly God's will? Do you know the faith it would have taken Abraham much more than leaving the earth of the Chaldees and heading out to a city whose maker and builder is God? Far more than that was when God challenged him and said, I want your son. Will you give up your son for me? Would you give up your son for me? And Abraham says, I believe you. 
How much do you believe me? Show me if you give it. And he took his son, took everything, all the gear needed for sacrifice, and headed up to Mount Moriah. And as he headed up for Mount Moriah, his faith, his faith was being tested to the core. But when you have faith, you jump. You have faith, you jump. Look at these words. Look at these words. You see, verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on... Hello, oh, hang on. Did Abraham offer up his son Isaac? Did he? Have you watched the movie? Did he? No, he did not. So what's happening here? He jumped. He jumped. He acted on it. He took the first step. You get this? It counts. It matters. Because when God says move and you move, when God says do this, be like this, forgive, go ahead, take that, apply, resign. When God says stay and you jump, when you jump, it matters. It counts. So when he did that, he got all the way to Mount Moriah. And when he got over there, God provided. And he says, I'm asking for you for your son. How old? Let me give you mine. Let me give you mine. And when Jesus hung on the cross, there was no voice from heaven saying, stop it. Stop it. I now know that your love is real. No one stopped when Christ was Yet, look at the words. He says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered... So in God's eyes, did he do it? He did it. It matters, brother. It matters, sister, when you take a leap. And your ministry, your acts of service are showing God. See, Lord, you are more important. See, Lord, I have needs, but that person's needs are more important. See, Lord, I have fears, but that person's fears are more important. See, Lord, I have hurts, but that person's hurt is more important. See, Lord, I need time. I need more time, but that person needs me more. Let me give them my time. When you do that, it's a jump. You're saying, Lord, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to put needs first. If a brother or sister walks by and they don't have basic clothing, they don't know where the meal is going to come from, and you can allow that, you're living your own life and Jesus Christ is not your Lord. That's what James is hitting at. He's not saying you're a good person, you're a bad person. He's not saying good works versus bad works. He's saying no works at all, brother. No works at all proves there's no faith at all. How? How can you not show your works by your faith? And he says, look at this. He says, verse 22. You see that faith was active along. Circle or, or underline along. Along with his works and faith was Read that. And faith was completed with his works. So faith was active along. Got it? And faith was completed with his works. So you say you have faith and you jump. And then God creates a work through you. God works through you. God powers through you. God you know, provides through you. And then you become a testimony. You become a testimony. Faith leaves a testimony. Faith results in a testimony. So we have Abraham and we have Rahab. Rahab. Look at what he says about Rahab, verse 25. And in the same way, are you kidding me? It doesn't mean anything to you, but to the Jew, are you putting Rahab on the, on the plane with our father Abraham? Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. Because you could be a prostitute. But if you have faith, if you show faith, if you act in faith, God's going to put you on the same le uh, level as Father Abraham. Why? Because God wants to see you take that one step. He wants to see you take that jump. He wants to see you have eyes for ministry, eyes for service, eyes for people. Verse 25. And in the same way, was not also Abraham the prostitute justified by works? Why? She received the messengers and sent them out another way. Genuine faith always results in a testimony. Genuine faith results in works of service, a ministry. But when you do the ministry, that results in a testimony. And look at Abraham, verse 23. It was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. He was called the friend of God. Did you know that? Did you know God wants friends? So you wrote down the first one, that faith leaves a fingerprints. You wrote the second one down, that faith results in a testimony, correct? Write a third one down. Faith embodied, faith is embodied in ministry. Faith is embodied in ministry. You know what that word means? Embodied. Corpus. Incorporated. It, the hands and feet, the face recognition, the actions of your faith is your ministry. It is your ministry. Look at verse 26. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith apart from works is dead. Did you get that? Did that sink in? When your spirit leaves your body, what happens to your body? Well, you know what happens to your body. You die. Right? So your body is useless. Your body is corrupted. Your body is nothing. It does not have life in it. And it hopefully doesn't still walk around. And I, your pastor, will bury you. I will put you six feet under and I will be the first one to take the mud and throw it at you. Me, I will do it for you. I will sing songs. I'll say nice, nice things about you. Okay? I'll pretend that you lived a great life. I'll tell everybody you were amazing. Right? And then I'll bury you. Because that's my privilege. Okay? But the reason you're in that grave is because the spirit has gone home. The spirit is your faith and the body is your works. All your works are dead. They are pointless. They are lying in a grave. They're useless to anybody if it's not powered by faith. If it's not powered by faith. In fact, you can, can't do anything of any consequence if it is not powered by faith. James is not talking about works. James is talking about faith. Because genuine faith is going to result in, a, in acts of ministry. Genuine faith is going to leave a testimony. And gen, genuine faith is going to walk around in a body that says, how can I serve? How can I serve? What can I do for you? How can I serve? What's the needy person around me needing? Where, where, where is somewhere I can give my life? God wants my work. He wants my ministry. He wants my ministry to be the signs of life. The signs that my faith is life. God wants to see your faith in action. So what do you need to do to be genuine? Let's wrap this up. Get involved in ministry? Oh, no. Because faith, the body, is dead without the spirit. So faith without works is dead. So we need to get the faith part right. 
The absence of works means the death of faith. Think about it. No ministry in your life. No desire for ministry in your life. There's no signs of life. Faith life. This means there is no faith. Which means if there's no faith, you don't fake the ministry. You go back to the cross. You go back to where you started. You go back to getting the faith right in your life. It means you haven't really trusted Christ. Listen to me carefully. This is going to be very hard for me to tell you this. You haven't really trusted Christ yet. Not for your salvation. Not for your future. Not for your concerns. Not for your provision. Not for your family. You haven't really trusted Christ. You haven't really trusted Christ for your success. So the first thing you do is not fake the ministry, but go back to the cross and reignite your commitment to keep Christ as Lord. Write that down. Go back to the cross and reignite your commitment to set apart Christ as Lord. Don't worry about the ministry because ministry is what God does through you. Worry about why you don't even have a desire to serve or you don't know where to serve. Go back to the cross and reignite. Look at this verse, 1 Peter 3.15 says, Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. If someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Worship Christ as the Lord of your life. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my works. The author and finisher of my faith. Because if the faith is alive... The body is going to be walking around. It's going to be serving. It's going to be doing what it needs to do. The first and foremost thing you got to do is put Christ back on the throne. How do you put Christ back on the throne? You get back on the altar. You get back on the altar. Go back and reignite that. Number two, the second thing you can do is begin to trust Jesus for everyday things. For everyday things, everyday needs. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When you start trusting God for everything, you start praying about everything. How do you know what you should trust God for? Well, what do you worry about? What do you worry about? What are you scared about? These are all your prayer points. Okay, everything I'm worried about, that's my prayer points. Everything I'm scared about, that's my prayer points. Everybody I hate, there's a prayer point. Everybody I need to forgive, there's a prayer point. Right? Everything that bothers you, irritates you, and <clears throat> is a prayer point. Start trusting God for that. Start trusting God to risk big for God. Risk big for God. If you want to do something for God, if you really have faith in God, if you really have put your faith in the Lord Jesus, and He says, greater things you will do through me. Remember that? Then Lord... I'm ready. I'm ready. What would you like to do? Because you want him to work through you. Because faith results in ministry. And ministry results in testimony. Got it? Yes? You want him to work through you. So you're going to pray about your ministry. And you say, Lord God, what are you going to use me for? Because I was to sit next to you and say, God wants to use you. Yeah. Nah, I don't think he can do much through me. I'm very shy. I'm very... And you'll think of something, right? And you'll, and, and you'll think of all the things you're doing wrong in your life, like as if only you do wrong, wickeder than thou. And because of that, you are now disqualified from serving God. 
And you'll think of all the excuses. What is it that God wants you to do? And if you have trusted Christ for that, you're going to trust Christ to pray. You're going to pray big. You're going to risk big. You're going to, you know what Jesus, he, 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 was, he was walking up uh, with his disciples and the tree was there. It was a fig tree. And the fig tree wasn't even in season. So it was not supposed to bear fruit. Okay. But it had leaves that looked like it was supposed to be bearing fruit. But it was having a show of fruit bearing. It wasn't fruit bearing. So Jesus walked up to that and the disciples were there and he says, there's no fruit on this. We came up, inspected the tree. There's no fruit on it. And he cursed the tree. The next day they came around, the whole thing had withered up and died. And the disciples said, whoa, pastor, look at that. It all withered up and died. You cursed it. Remember yesterday at 12 o'clock, you cursed it. And they said, yeah. And instead of talking about the tree, about the figs, about fruitfulness, he turns to them and he says, if you believe me, you can say to that mountain, get up and throw yourself into the sea. You know how they say faith moves mountains? No, it, it, that's not even true. He's saying you can tell the mountain to get up and throw itself into the sea. Now, is that ever going to happen? It's an analogy. And he doesn't look at the past and fruitlessness of the nation of Israel or the fruitlessness of the past generations. He looks to his disciples and he says, you're going to bear fruit. You're going to bear fruit. He says, if you believe me, because of your faith in me, because you've known me, because you're going to work with me, because I'm going to work through you, greater things you're going to do because you have trusted me and I'm going to the Father. Listen to me. This is about your life. Listen very carefully. He says, I'm going to the Father. You're going to do greater things through, I'm going to do greater things through you. And you're going to do that because you believe me. When you believe me, here it is. When you believe me and you're moving and there's a mountain in the middle. You got this? When you have trusted me and when you take a jump and when you move in the direction of obeying God, you risk big for God and you want to do something that's amazing through your life for God and there's a mountain in the middle, you could say to the mountain, get out of here. Move. Whatever obstacle is going to come in the way of you accomplishing greater things for God, you can say to the mountain, get out of here and it will do that. It will obey you. Now you're getting the perspective? Jesus was not talking about magic. He was talking about the fact that if you believe me and you have trusted me, author and finish of your faith, and you're setting yourself as, as, as a life that's following Christ and you've put your faith in Christ, I am going to do great works through you. And when I'm doing great works to you, result in ministry, result in testimony, and a mountain comes in the way, at that point you can say, mountain, go jump. And the mountain will jump but before the mountain jumps and before you say to the mountain jump you have to believe and after you believe you have to get involved in ministry and as you get involved in ministry you're going to be praying for greater things are you getting this you're going to be praying for greater things lord if you could do this much to me you can do more through me god if you can touch reach so many people through me you can reach more Lord, if this is how you, you did through Christ on earth, you can do more through me. You said, Lord, you said great things you will do. You said, Lord, you didn't choose me. I chose you to bear fruit and that fruit should remain. You said, Lord, John 15, 15, 16. You said, Lord, that you will take my life. You said that you will make it a blessing. You said that you will do something in my life. I give it to you. Now I want to pray about it. And when you come in, suddenly a mountain comes in the way. Get out of here. And the mountain will go.
Are you getting this? First the belief, get involved in ministry, and then move mountains. People are waiting, lying in their beds, relaxed in front of their TVs, praising God in front of God TV, with their legs up, yeah? Chilling in church, hoping it's not too comfortable or too long. Well, we don't want to go too long, but you want mountains to move. My family, we used to say, grandfather's duck's eggs. It's not going to happen. There's no mountains that are going to be moved because there's no faith and there's no ministry. And James is saying, you're saying you have faith? Show me your works. Show me your ministry. What are you doing for God that requires God to move mountains for you? What are you doing for God that requires God to move mountains for you? Having handed your needs to God, now shift your attention to the needs of other people. Have a ministry. God will supply all your needs according to his riches. He will be your guide. He will be your provider. But you turn your attention to other people. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your, what? Present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice to God, which is acceptable. Look at me. There were different types of sacrifices in the Old Testament, right? One was a sin sacrifice. And the sin sacrifice was a lamb without blemish, completely beautifully pure, clean, absolutely young. They would take that and they would slaughter it and that blood would be covered on top of, uh, sprinkled on the mercy seat and your sin would be covered by that blood. It's called a sin offering. He's not asking that you'd be a sin offering. This is not a sin sacrifice. There's another sacrifice where they brought a, 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 an animal and they cut it in half. And they said, I make a deal with you, I make a vow to you, that if you and I were to be in this relationship or be in this covenant, and if I was to break this covenant, let this be done to me if I break this covenant with you. Ooh, who wants to make a promise like that? Yeah? Have you ever signed any rent deeds like that? Not happening. That's not the sacrifice God wants you to be. There's another sacrifice that was a, that was a consecration. Where once a year the whole nation of Israel said, we are consecrated to you, we are your people. And they would take a, an animal and they would set it on fire and it would burn completely, char down to the ground like some of you are cooking. Absolutely gone. And with that they'd sing a hymn saying, we are completely consumed for you. We are all yours, Lord. Consume us, Lord. We are completely yours. We call that consecration. And God is not asking for that. That's not the sacrifice. Then there's an offering. People brought their offerings, okay? A thank offering, a, 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 a grateful offering, whatever. They would bring that, they would put it on the altar. And that altar, would, that, that offering was called a praise offering or a harvest offering. And then there was the worship offering. Well, just to worship God. Just to say, God, you are Lord. Just to say, God, we are your people and you are our God and there is no one like you. They would have an offering that had aromas coming out of the offering. Aromas that raised, rise, that raised up to heaven. Raised all the way up to heaven. And David would write a psalm saying, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O God. That was a worship offering. And that is the offering I'm asking you to be. 
Verse 1. Therefore I urge you brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living, not as a dead sacrifice, as a living but a holy sacrifice, acceptable to God. And that is your spiritual service of worship. And how do you do that? How do you get on the altar? Verse verse 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, don't think highly of yourself than you ought to, but to think as to the sound judgment as God has allotted. First have a correct understanding of where you stand. And verse 4. For just as many are members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so many, read it with me, so so, so we who are many are one in Christ. We who are many are one body in Christ. Individual members belonging to one another. Let's let's finish verse 6. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. So how do you get on the altar? How do you make yourself a living sacrifice? How do you make yourself a holy sacrifice? Get involved in ministry. Get involved in ministry. Be part of the body. So your thumbprint is your faith. That's your faith. That's your identity. So if you believe Christ as the head, that Jesus is the head, then you are part of the body. You belong to me, I belong to you. Which means the highest priority and the expression of my identity is to be to you what you need me to be. Did you get that? Ah, I lost you. I'm going to try that again. If you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and he's the head of the body and you are members of the body, then my identity will be my role in the body of Christ and I am who I need to be to you. I am who you need me to be to you. My primary role, my primary identity will be what shape I am and what God has called me to be in the body. So he says, whatever you're called to be, whatever you're shaped to be, be that. If you want to prophesy according to the proportion of your faith, go ahead, man. Verse 7, if you want to serve in serving, do that. In teaching, teach. Exhort, exhort. Want to give, give liberally. If you want to lead, lead with diligence. If you want to show mercy, show it with cheerfulness. Show it with cheerfulness. Get involved, jump, and get involved in ministry. First, you say you believe in God. Well, what are the works? Are you serving God? Yes, I'm serving God. Now that you're serving God, your prayer life is going to start risking big for God. And then you're going to hit mountains. And you're going to say to the mountains, what are you doing here? Get out of the way. God has promised big things through me. I will do that for him. I want to read the ministry covenant that we have in our church. We have four covenants. We have the membership covenant, which I read for you last week. Then we have the discipleship covenant, which is about growing in Christ. Then we have the ministry covenant, which is about serving. You usually sign this when you complete the 301 or the ministry class. And you go through this and you prayerfully understand what God has called you to do. We make you do the shape test and then you sign that. Then we have the missions covenant and we sign that after understanding how God has called us to share the good news. And let me read this for you. All right. Just prayerfully, let me read this for you. And at the end of your notes, do you see my prayer written there? You see that? Write down your prayer today. Take a moment to write down your prayer today. In one sentence, two sentences, three sentences, write it down. In response to what I've heard today, what am I going to say to God? Okay? Having committed myself to fellowship and discipleship, that's that's the first one and second one, and agreeing with the Covenant Life's ministry statement, because we have a statement on that, I commit to doing these four things. Discover my shape, my unique shape for ministry, and serve in the area that best expresses what God made me to do. 
The second commitment I make is I prepare for my ministry. How do I do that? By participating in training events and initiatives that Covenant Life puts out for me. Number three, demonstrate a what? A servant heart. Demonstrate a servant heart. How? By serving in secondary ministries as the body needs me. So you serve in what you're gifted to do and you serve in what you need me to do. You need me to, oh, Girgir, let me pick it up for you. Oh, that's, let me close it for you. Oh, I can, I can, I can help, I can pick up. Make yourself available. He says, demonstrate a servant's heart. And number four, cooperate with other ministries. Cooperate with other ministries and place the greater good of the whole body over the needs of your own ministry. That means, if I'm doing my ministry, you're doing your ministry, which ministry is more important? Mm, hurts, doesn't it? Yeah. So if I'm committed to your ministry, because if the pancreas wants the kidney to work well, and the kidney wants the pancreas to work well, both have to work well. One can't say, I'll be the star ministry, and you will be the... Everybody's got to work. You get it? Get it? The spirit of this church, the spirit of ministry, the spirit of, of, of mission here. Uh, take a moment right now. I'm going to give you a moment. Write down a sentence, depending on how long it takes you to write a sentence. Write down a sentence or two as your prayer, as your prayer. Go ahead. See, I don't give homework. We do it right here. One sentence, two sentences. Your response. Father in heaven, thank you so much for hearing our prayers, listening to our hearts, and speaking into our hearts. I don't know why, but right now I feel like praying against idolatry, the idolatry of our body. Because the opposite of giving ourselves as our bodies as a living sacrifice, the opposite of that is to worship the body itself where what should be the sacrifice becomes the recipient of the worship. And that, O oh Lord, is idolatry. Too tired, too uncomfortable, too lazy, too indulged, too spoilt. Whatever it is that this body, the anti antidote to it is that we give it up for worship. So Lord God, I pray against idolatry and I pray for ministry. Because until we face the fact that idolatry has happened, that we have put this body on the throne instead of Christ. We want this body to be given to our boyfriend or girlfriend. We want this body to be dressed well and receive worship rather than give worship. We want this body to be relaxed and, and enjoy and indulge itself. We want this body to be given whatever it demands, whenever it demands it. We want this body to be present wherever it chooses to be present. Lord, as long as this body is on the throne and not Jesus, Jesus will never take the throne. So Father, the big problem, the big competition we have for the throne of our lives is not any other God, but our own bodies. It's the flesh. So Lord, we ask that you help us understand what Romans 12, 1 and 2 are really all about. 
and I pray against idolatry, and I pray for ministry that we would truly be a beautiful smelling, aromatic smelling sacrifice to God. Use us, Lord. Use us. Use me. Use me. You promised me when I was 17 years old, you promised me that you'll take my life and that you'll make it a blessing. Today, my prayer is the same, O oh God, but it's, it's for greater use, greater impact, for global impact. Lord, would you use me? Not because I'm worth it, but because you chose it, you called me, you offered this to me, and I trust you. I trust you with every fiber of my being, and I trust you for my people as well. Lord, would you speak into their hearts? If they're addicted to drugs, break that addiction in the name of Jesus. If they're addicted to their bodies, break that addiction. Break that, that affair they're having with their own body. If they're addicted to people's appraisal and approval, oh God, I pray that you would break that. Heal our people, oh God. Set them free from bondages then tear them apart. Set them free from guilt. Lord, let them not walk in guilt. Let them come to church happily. Let them come to church ready, rejoicing. Let them come to church ready to worship. Oh God, fill this church with people who have lived the servant life the whole week, who have been on the altar and have begun to smell of praise. Oh God, do a deep work in our life. Most of all, I pray against boredom. The boredom of the flesh and the lack of interest in spiritual matters. The lack of hunger and interest and, and, and desire for spiritual matters. Oh God, most of us are so carnal. We are so worldly. We are so bored with spiritual things. Anything to do with God, Bible, the spirit, love, service. Oh, we have no interest in it. We want to do our peace token work just to make everybody get off our backs. But heart of hearts, we just want to go and indulge ourselves. Oh God, would you save us from that? From the boredom of self-gratification to the excitement of being on an altar for your service. This is my prayer to you, Lord God. Thank you so much for hearing and answering. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each and every one of us through this week and even forevermore. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week with God.